This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's so great to be back with all of you, and I hope everyone is continuing to manage at home um, while we continue to uh, fight this pandemic. This evening, I am honored to have with me, um, joining me from Palestine, Hadil Jaradat. And Hadil is the facility manager for the new Rawabi City, which is being developed by Body Real Estate Investment in Palestine. And Hadil is, is um, working on a $1.4 billion project on the West Bank, built by and for Palestinians. It's really a remarkable story, and she's going to be with me in just a moment. Be sure to stay with us as we go into our breaks to hear from our watch team of on-air contributors, who will now be bringing you information in health, law, finance, military affairs, and technology. And of course, to see who's coming up next on the show um, and see all things related to the show, feel free to visit womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm excited and thrilled to have with us Hadil. Hadil, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, very excited as well. I wanted to share with the listeners that I first came across your story um, through a 60 Minutes episode, uh, one of my favorite shows, and was just so incredibly impressed by you, um, not only with the work that you're doing and, and your background, but your age, you're, you're 29, am I correct? I think it was 28 when the show aired. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be 29 in a couple of months. <laughs> In a couple of months. So you're 28. Okay. Even more impressed. You have to be careful. When you're in 20s, you have to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've accomplished quite a bit, you know, for 28 years old. And I thought it might be good to give the listeners um, just a description, a brief description of what what this new city is. If if you were to describe it, um, Rawabi, what, what, what would you say? Well, Rawabi is, it's, if we're talking about what's physically Rawabi is, it's a yes. city built by the Palestinians and for the Palestinians, as you say. Uh, for us, for me, for my colleagues, it's, it's our hope. It's, it's, it's a project that we believe in. Uh, it's uh, now um, very famous in Palestine and all over the world, as you saw in the show. Um, We started the development of Rawabi years ago. It had so many challenges. It overcame a lot of the challenges. Um, The most beautiful thing about Rawabi is 
we're building it as Palestinians together, so motivated in the project. We love the project. You know, I was planning to look for job opportunities abroad, looking for a life, a different life outside of this politically challenging uh, uh, environment. Mm. But Rawabi has changed that for us. So it's, it's, it's the hub that we feel that we are accomplishing, we are making, we're showing the world uh, who we are, what we're doing, and that we can build and what uh, we, 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 we're building a city, you know? Yes. And I, I know that you, um, you received a mechanical engineering degree from a Birzat University. And yeah. I, I'm very interested in how you connected with and were found, I'll say, by the founder of Rawabi, Mashar Masri. How did the two of you connect and how did he end up hiring you for this really important job? Well, when I joined Rawabi, um, I first of all started when I was still studying. I joined one of the internship programs. Uh, they have uh, many programs uh, with the different universities in the country. Uh, during my internship, uh, I was offered a part-time job. And I guess they just liked my work. They offered me a full-time job. Um, working uh, with Bashar, um, you know, you take opportunities as you work hard, you get acknowledged and your responsibilities increase, your uh, uh, opportunities increase until I got to be the facility manager in the city. And I, has he become a mentor for you? Oh, of course. Um, you know, Bashar, he is my mentor and my inspirational leader. Uh, he is, you know, just working with his humble, innovative personality mm -hmm. and learning over the years from him how he, had, how he adopts our ideas, develops on them, and also he makes us participate in that and makes you feel like you've done all of this. He's very professional and visionary. Um, he brought something new to the whole country. He is willing to change the norms that everyone knows. He breaks the stereotypes, especially about women and fresh graduates, not just women. Uh, he gives us equal opportunities. He gives voice for everyone, which makes you, you know, when you're in a project that you're in your job, you're, you're heard, you're appreciated, regardless of your age or years of experience. Uh, it's, it's so encouraging. Uh, for him, he believes that research and hard work are the qualities you need and the way he judge people's work. Uh, from the beginning of joined the project, there were so many incidents that despite me being young and fresh graduate and women, when I speak out, he hears, he listens, he supports. So, um, that was the thing that brought us close to him. He always likes to meet uh, who is working on the project. And he always believed that who is working on anything or an, any project, no matter how small it is, he should participate in the management meetings. He should be able to represent what he did and take, take appreciation for what he did. And mm -hmm. that's how it started. 
Yes. Well, it's so fortunate um, for you to have the opportunity to work for a visionary like that. Um, Listen, Hadil, yes, we're going to go into our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the discrimination you received while studying um, at university. Stay with us for our break where you'll hear our military watch and legal watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Military watch. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert. Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Research by Blue Star Families consistently emphasizes that financial stability and literacy are in the top tier of concerns for our military families, even more so than mental health issues. The military compensation and retirement system is very complex, and also that retirement system recently changed to a blended plan more similar to the private sector 401k plans. A report released by the Government Accountability Office found that many in the military and veteran community struggle with effective financial planning. The rapid pace of military service, deployments, training and professional development requirements, reassignment, field exercises, makes it very difficult for the typical 18-year-old enlistee to build the habits necessary for financial success. Partnerships are crucial to support the military community and its diverse needs. This is why we at Military and Veteran Affairs are excited to partner with CNBC and Disabled American Veterans, or DAV. To help the military community find their financial path forward, CNBC will host a virtual town hall for America's military community on Wednesday, June 3rd at 1 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. During this free event, hosted by CNBC correspondent Contessa Brewer, veterans across America will hear from a team of financial experts, thought leaders, and small business advisors, providing practical solutions and guidance to help the military community stay financially stable through the COVID-19 pandemic. Register for this free event at veterans.cnbc.com. We want to thank our amazing partners at DAV for helping host this town hall. We believe that service matters, and it's our turn to assist those who've given so much to our nation. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Watch. Legal Watch. Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner from Ballard Spar Law Firm for Legal Watch. As the states begin the cautious process of reopening, my clients have questions about how to do so safely and within the bounds of new laws and regulations. As you can imagine, this landscape is ever changing. I'm fortunate that my colleagues at Ballard are experts in government regulation, employment, and business. You can access relevant and up-to-the-minute information on the legal impact of COVID-19 by visiting Ballard's online resource center, which you can find at ballardspar.com. That said, every situation is different. Please reach out if we can help you navigate this uncertain time. There is so much to know about safely reopening our doors, both from a health and from a legal standpoint, and how businesses can support their customers and employees while doing so. We at Ballard are committed to helping you do just that. We can be a guide and a resource for you and your business. Ballard Spar stands with our clients and communities 
as we all cope through this difficult time, and we hope that everyone stays safe and healthy. Again, this is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar, Hitner N at BallardSpar.com, and I'm here to help. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back, and thanks for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. I'm having a really wonderful conversation this evening with Hadil Jaradat. Um, she is the facility manager for the new Rawabi City, um, which is being developed by Bayati Real Estate Investment in Palestine. A very big and exciting um, job and, and new development there. Um, Hadil, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about how you managed to secure the job and, and the wonderful relationship you have with the founder, um, Bashar. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about you had mentioned some discrimination that you received while studying at um, university, and that's not surprising being one of very few women um, to be studying mechanical engineering. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Well, first of all, uh, maybe I should call them uh, challenges rather than discriminations. You know, still women all over the world, we face such challenges. Uh, but as one of the few females uh, studying mechanical engineering, I felt that I had to constantly prove that I can do specific tasks or uh, projects just like my classmates who by default are assumed that they can do that. Mm, for yes. example, when I tried to sign up for uh, a car maintenance training course that was offered by uh, an external training center as a preparation for one of the important courses in the next uh, coming course in the university, they initially refused. Uh, they said, oh, wow. we've, been, we've been giving uh, this training for over 19 years. We've never given it to a to a female, yeah, you never wow. a female even approached to participate. Yes. So for them, that was a good reason to reject me. Uh, they insisted that the course includes the duties that women cannot do, such as uh, going underneath a car, do inspections, or disassembling a car gear. Now, honestly, maybe if I've heard about the training course with all of these complications, I wouldn't be so motivated or so inspired and insisting to participate, I practically felt, um, I first of all felt injustice, and that made me so determined to join the course. I imposed right. myself. They called everyone to go but me. I imposed myself. I attended. I uh, explained that I can do everything, and I did prove them wrong when I uh, took and did all the course, all the tests, everything practical and theoretical. And I even remember when I went to the celebration done by the Ministry of Labor to take the official certificate that I can work at any car work, making a shop, everyone was asking me, are you here to take the certificate for your husband or for your brother? Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a room full of hundreds of guys, everyone like male um, graduates, and right. um, and I felt so inspired when they said my name at the certificate, and everyone was shocked. And I remember the official from the ministry; he was like, "I think everyone in the room thinks you're in the wrong place, but I so think you are in the right place." That was. <laughs> 
<laughs> you must have felt so proud. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I, it was. Everyone was like, not everyone, but mostly were discouraging because you know it was a um, course in a real lifetime car maintenance workshop in the industrial area, not a workshop in the university. And not just colleagues from the university. So it was a bit challenging, but I loved the course. I would do it again. <laughs> oh, that's going to come in really handy in life, yeah. just in general. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, I want to I go back in, in time a little bit, Hadil, and, and kind of find out where, you know, this um, confidence came from in you. I know you grew up in Hebron, Palestine, and I understand your mom was a very big influence in your life. Talk about her a little bit. Uh, my mom, uh, my mom was a fearless woman. Uh, she always taught us to respect our community that we live in, but at the same time, not to let that limit our ambitions or set our path. She always told us that uh, we should choose what we want and what we want to be and not to let anyone tell us what we can or cannot do. My mom, she was a fighter. Uh, she was a rebellious against anything that she didn't think it was fair to women to in particular. Uh, she was my biggest supporter and inspiration in everything in life. That's, that's wonderful. Um, and, and did you know, you know, your love of engineering, that that come from a young age? Or when did you discover that? Oh, yeah. I, uh, my childhood, I was enjoying fixing things at the house or breaking them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> breaking them to put them back together? <laughs> well, I, in my attempts to try to fix them, I'd break them even more, which made my mom mad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I always had that in myself, in uh, my passion. So um, I tried to, to choose a career that's related to that. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, I think engineering teach you technicalities and a way of thinking that can actually be uh, a support to you and flexible in terms of choosing a career. It's teach you how to disassemble any problem in the technicalities in a systematic way to solve it. And actually, in the first year I joined the university as an engineer, I didn't choose a specialty. And I tried different courses. There was barely any female engineers. I decided to join mechanical engineering. I felt I want to be innovative in that. And I even started uh, with a few colleagues I had, a um, club for uh, uh, female mechanical engineers. We were at the beginning just a few female. When I graduated, there were so many uh, female engineers in the, in the group. And I felt so uh, proud when I even handed over the the account to the other females to manage it when I graduated. Mm. It sounds to me as if you very much enjoy a challenge. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. Um, listen, we're going to go into our second break. Stay with us for your Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie and our Tech Watch with Mary Manzo. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. I was reading an article published by ServiceNow, one of the leading enterprise service management cloud platform companies. In the article, they surveyed 2001 American office workers, and I found the results fascinating and I thought I would share. 
The 2001 workers, 58% wished their work was more meaningful. The workers felt they spent 40% of their time doing mundane tasks in the office. 45% said they would rather clean their bathroom than figure out HR benefits. 37% would rather be stuck in traffic than troubleshooting a broken printer by themselves. Imagine if you could automate a request for these two things, and your request automatically was received by the right individual in your company that handles these issues, instead of you trying to figure it out all by yourself. The article revealed that the workers felt mundane work leaves them feeling like they're wasting their time, unmotivated, stressed, frustrated, and not living up to their potential. If work had more meaning, they would enjoy their job, be more efficient, happier, be further along in their career, and stay at their current job longer. When automation can handle up to 45% of repetitive work, it gives workers time for higher value tasks, such as problem solving, finding solutions, and developing new ideas. At Pathways, we implement ServiceNow, which is a cloud-based platform that automates tasks for HR, IT, customer service, finance, audit, and so much more, even tasks that go across departments. Automation can provide a multitude of benefits to any organization and to you. Leveraging and embracing the change that automation can bring to the workplace will most definitely remove some of the mundane and your workforce will become substantially improved and efficient. For more information, contact me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For HealthWatch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We've learned that children are just as likely as adults to have COVID-19, but most cases are less severe and often without any symptoms. Few cases need the hospital or intensive care, and the death rate is low. But we need to understand the clinical picture to help control spread. The challenge? Symptoms can vary, look like other viruses or even allergies. Most common are fever and cough, but maybe just runny nose, sore throat, short of breath, or just loss of taste or smell, maybe diarrhea, vomiting, or just a headache. At highest risks, children under age one and those with other health issues or weak immune systems. Rarely a child can have three to five days of fever, rash, pink eye, GI symptoms, lethargy, and swollen hands and feet, often appearing weeks after COVID infection. It resembles a pediatric diagnosis called Kawasaki disease or toxic shock syndrome. It's called multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Again, it's rare. Since March, the CDC has stressed importance of routine well-child care and vaccinations, especially under age two when many vaccines are given. But by May, the CDC and World Health Organization noted a substantial global decline in routine children's vaccinations. Dr. Katie Lockwood from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia reports, in New York City, vaccines were down 63% overall and down 91% in kids over age two. Decline began with stay-at-home orders. Some offices had limited hours, but parents may still delay well visits fearing COVID exposure. Possible result? Children in their communities face increased risk for outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases. And as we relax social distancing and schools reopen, we worry that children will be exposed to highly contagious diseases like measles, whooping cough. We've seen it in pockets throughout the country before. 
Well visits are the cornerstone of primary care. Along with vaccinations, we monitor developmental milestones and growth to ensure a child is thriving. Doctors are working hard to make routine visits safe. Divas, take good care of your babies. Welcome back to Women to Watch. I'm talking with Hadil Jaradat this evening. And um, Hadil, I wanted to, we were talking about your mom a little bit uh, before the break and, and your upbringing in Hebron. And uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that area and, and what that was like, that, that part of Palestine growing up. Um, yeah, well, I grew up in a small village in Hebron. Uh, it's a village where people there live with their tradition and culture. It goes into women getting married at a younger age. And uh, um, that's, that's major, majorly the, the mainstream of, uh, um, of life for females. Uh, that I remember even when I was in high school, many of my female uh, uh, colleagues were already getting married or even pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, it was different. I, I had different dreams. I had different things in my mind. Uh, on a family level, I was so lucky and placed living in a loving family with hardworking parents who encouraged us to be successful and to achieve uh, the highest possible, me and my siblings. Um, and I think that had a lot of effect on my uh, personality on the long run uh, and ha gave me very strong foundation. Mm. Do you have um, siblings, Hadil, uh, sisters or brothers? Yeah, we're a big family. We are four yeah. sisters and two brothers. Okay. And your sisters as well were able to kind of break from that traditional role for women? Yeah, of course. My my oldest sister, she is a whole story by herself. She is um, very inspiring for us. And uh, she always uh, led the path for us uh, from breaking uh, the mainstreams. She's heading uh, the construction in, uh, by Indrawabi and managing so many engineers as well. Uh, my other sister is working with the United Nations and living in New York City. My uh, youngest sister uh, also just graduated and she's working with Henry Schein in New York City. My brother is also an engineer. My oldest brother, he's uh, leading his own life, uh, working uh, with a leasing company and has changed a lot. Wow, that very, very accomplished family. That's really wonderful. <laughs> Well, By the way, didn't take it easy. <laughs> yeah. And how about your dad? What did your dad do? Oh, my father. My father, he always um, supported our decisions, even if he didn't think they were so um, correctly uh, convincing uh, in his perspective. Mm -hmm. He's, um, he always uh, gave us the space uh, to take our own decisions and uh, supported us, especially when we were living in the traditional community, not letting anyone uh, uh, affecting our uh, decisions. Uh, he's, he was my first uh, male supporter in my life and he always gave me the freedom he taught us chess also when we were young kids. And yes, I know. 
you were quite a champion in chess. Am I right? You've received some awards for chess? Yes, I did. So when we, me and my siblings, my mom was, uh, my parents actually, uh, always wanted us to play games that um, makes us smarter. So they chose chess for us. My father taught us, me and my siblings, chess. We started with our own uh, chess championships at home and then started participating locally I, um, on the level of the country. Then we even continued internationally for a very big time. Chess was a very important part of my life. And still, of course, but I used to participate more internationally. Uh, I took a CMW um, candidate, women, women candidate master in the World Olympiad that happened in uh, Turkey. Um, and many other international uh, championships. I, my guess is you don't have enough time today to continue to do that with, with what you're doing at Rawabi. Oh, I know. I miss playing it professionally, but it's always my favorite hobby ever. Yeah. Let, let's talk about Rawabi City for, for a moment. And um, I know it's, it really is an, an incredibly forward-thinking, innovative project, this new city. And I know that it has received some, some criticism from uh, some Palestinian activists. What is it that they oppose and how do you um, respond to their concerns? You know, I wish when you're talking about criticism... The first thing that comes to my mind that I wish you can come visit Rawabi in one of the holidays and or at any of the weekends and see the thousands of Palestinians enjoying their time in Rawabi. Um, you know, Yani, at the beginning, yeah, maybe we did receive some criticism um, from minorities in uh, Palestine. Uh, you know, any project uh, by any nature would face criticism. How about building a new city? Uh, it's a very new idea to Palestinian community. I believe when people criticize, they are coming from different reasons and different backgrounds. Some may be against building cities uh, at once and they believe cities should grow up normally with time. Mm, but I can yes. tell you how much people just love the project. It's, you can touch that by how many people are approaching to buy apartments or just by looking at the visitor last visitors last year alone we had over 1 million palestinians visiting the city just to the shopping centers public parks you know our public park is open for everyone not just the residents and sometimes it's even a problem to control the crowd because of how many people come and it really touched my uh, heart when i see family palestinian families who are um, maybe cannot afford to go to restaurants or shows that can cost them. Uh, but they come to Rawabi, they hang out, they enjoy the free activities uh, for the different uh, uh, tastes or ages. Um, I want to also answer that question from my personal perspective or my personal experience. You know what, Hadil, can you hold that thought for me? We have one last break. I'd love for you to share that when we come back. Stay with us for our Financial Watch with Terry and Maggie. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie, and I'm from Fortis Wealth. This is a good time for a financial planning checkup. Here are some items you may want to review. 
update your will and other legal documents. If you have had a major life change, for example, divorce, marriage, birth of a child, change in health or financial situation, your checkup should include a review of your will, your durable power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, advanced directive, and living trust if you have one. Take a close look at the positive provisions in your will, who gets what and how and when they get it, and the executor, trustee, and guardian appointments to make sure they are aligned with your current financial and personal situation. Is the appropriate person named as agent in your power of attorney and healthcare proxy? Does your plan address complex assets like a business or assets located in other states? Review and update beneficiary designations for retirement accounts and insurance. The disposition of retirement accounts and insurance policies are generally controlled by beneficiary designation, not by the terms of your will or living trust. We encourage you to check in with your financial advisor and or estate planning attorney to determine if the recent passage of the SECURE Act and the CARES Act may affect your plan for these assets. We also recommend that you check in with your parents and other family members about having their planning documents up to date. Consider new wealth transfer opportunities. For those who have the ability to transfer their wealth to their next generation prior to death, now may be the time to do it. There are several planning opportunities that work well in this type of economic environment of low asset value and interest rates. They include gifting assets experiencing a dip in value, like marketable securities or real estate, gifting cash, and then investing in assets with significant appreciation potential, and utilizing the state freeze techniques to transfer future appreciation. Consult with your financial advisor and or estate planning attorney to learn more. In times of great change and volatility like what we're experiencing, it's essential that you check in regularly with your financial advisor and estate and tax planning team. This is Maggie, and I'm from Florida Wealth. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Welcome back. I'm talking to Hadil Jaradat, and um, I would love for you, Hadil, to talk a little bit about um, kind of your own personal perspective about the city of Burwabi and, and why you love it so much. Uh, thank you. Well, my personal experience with Rawabi um, tells, tells a lot about how Rawabi actually. So usually when a fresh graduate, a fresh graduate uh, 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 faces a lot of difficulties finding a job in the first place. But having my uh, of my job offer ready before I graduate, and even when I joined, uh, not only I was offered the full-time job, but I was with a very respectful income um, for a fresh graduate. Uh, and that gave me the chance to buy my own house in the city. And that was never something I dreamed of achieving as a fresh graduate in a country that is facing a huge economic and political change challenges. Mm. Uh, in, in Rawabi, you know, not only the residents live in a friendly neighbor and enjoy activities that strengthens the sense of community, but the same applies for the employees. We feel like we are part of a one big family for us. Actually, Rawabi is not just only a job. 
but it's also a dream for every Palestinian and a fresh graduate who's working to establish a respectful career for every Palestinian who wants to accomplish something in this country. So that brings us into a very big family uh, that motivates us to even give more. Mm. You know, I, you are, again, um, 28 years old, and you manage a team of over 130 employees, and most are male. What is your leadership style? What do you, uh, you know, what is your kind of philosophy for keeping your team motivated and engaged? Oh, it takes more than <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Long hours and hard work, right? <laughs> uh, I don't think I have a specific style by se, but I believe it's a different approaches depending on the team you work with. But mostly, I try to lead by example. You know, it's very important to establish teams for different areas of their expertise and listen to their experience and their thoughts and uh, uh, and, lead, and let the teams uh, participate in everything. You know, leadership is a two-way path and you need to give and take. And that is uh, always uh, uh, very good when you're exchanging ideas and thoughts. Uh, at the end, we're all learning and helping each other. And it is very important uh, uh, that the employees feel that we care about them, which we do. We mm -hmm. care about their health and we want them to be connected to the team. Uh, teamwork is very important. We work together for long hours. We see each other more than we see uh, our families. And it's very important for them to be motivated and to love the job. And I think that's uh, yani, the best philosophy I have. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a quote here that you said in another a previous interview. I'm very, very proud to have a growing number of female employees. And I wondered what it is you think is changing in Palestine for women in particular um, and their roles, you know, in society. Do you think it is just kind of this inevitable um, modern day evolution? We see examples around us that shows us that. We see women who are now taking more leadership positions and who are also changing the mind the mindset of both males and females up towards women. And I believe Rawabi is a great example of that. I am very proud that I have to have many female colleagues working with me in the department I manage. And I am even hoping that that will be even more soon. Uh, uh, the changes are not only about increasing the number of women in the company, but also to transfer the way men view women and the, 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 the roles they take. Uh, when I look at the males uh, who are working in um, the facility management department today, I can see how they look at their female colleagues as equals and how they are uh, used to have females working in the field. And most importantly, is they appreciate the unique perspective and uh, the, 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 uh, the, the innovative ideas that we bring to the job. And if you look on a broader scale of that, I think this new perspective they can take back uh, with them to view their wives, daughters, mothers, sisters, all females around them. I think as females, we came through a very long uh, journey. Yes. But we still have a big fight. 
but I don't think or cannot think of a more fearless creature that can win this. Oh. <laughs> I agree with you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes, I agree. And I wonder, too, if, if the founder, uh, Bashar, is someone who attracts those type of men. In other words, is it important to him to have team members that are more open-minded that way? Uh, I think he can even, uh, even, I mean, it's not a criteria of how he even brings them, but um, the support he gives and the belief he gives and anyone can see the change. You know, if Rawabi is not just a company that's hiring people, it's an interactive, it's a city interactive with everyone. I'll give mm. you a different example. How Rawabi... Um, Rawab is now, Baiti, you know, it's becoming the biggest private sector employer in the country. And that means it's interacting with a lot of facilities, contractors, uh, vendors, uh, on a broad scale in Palestine. The way Rawabi is inspiring these people who are not even employees of uh, Mr. Bashar, but also um, seeing they're just working, they're vendors, they're contractors. At the beginning, you wouldn't see any female engineer working uh, uh, in, with the contractors. But when they see us, how much support we're taking, the delivery, the deliver, how much we deliver working with Baiti, they want that in their projects. And not just yes. in their projects here, but in their projects all over the West Bank. And I think Rawabi has been the biggest role model in that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. We, you know what, we we're running out of time real quickly. The pandemic, is that affected you and your work? Are you able to be out and about? Uh, well, of course, at the beginning, it was very challenging. Uh, we had to do a lockdown, but, uh, you know, everyone was still learning about the pandemic. Uh, but we made a plan to make sure that the team is safe and protected. Uh, you know, our team is, um, the facility management is working on the front line of facing the pandemic, but the concern, I was very lucky that to have the team uh, concerned about the community, looking how to protect the residents and uh, uh, ensuring their safety, working really hard. From the beginning, we had um, a safety committee uh, overseeing um, and implementing all the World Health Organization instructions. And I think somehow this pandemic even made us closer because it showed us how much the company cares about us because from the beginning, they've ensured us that we will not lose our jobs because of this. And they kept paying all of our salaries even when we were at home. And that was the rough times that showed us how much the company cares about us. That's wonderful. Listen, we're, we're out of time, Hadil. I wish we had more time. And, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story tonight on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you, too. Um, That's it, everyone. Having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks to our watch team and sponsors for their continued support. And I hope you all have a great week and continue to manage the uh, global quarantine. Take care and be safe. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.